Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Ofakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Hey, Erica. Hey. Um, how you doing? Pretty good. Good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, it was a rough day, but I'm pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you I made it here. Been, I was working out with... some some demons. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with tech support for two hours until like the I had my coat on yeah. and was still on the phone with tech support on our like as we walked out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it hasn't been easy. Yeah. But we're here. You um you became closer, I'd say, with Reed. You know, I already super liked Reed. Yeah. Um, and which is weird because you don't like all tech people. No. IT people. You actually have a a storied past of of relationships. You know who you know what tech people I like? Relationships. Who? The ones that are good at their jobs. Oh, ooh. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Tech people, you are on notice. And Reed is awesome at his job, and Jim is awesome at his job, Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful. And some people who no longer work <laughs> with us will not be named. Yeah, totally. Are not that awesome at yeah. their jobs. Yeah. That's, um, that's my bar for things. <laughs> how's your holiday shopping going? Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you and I just sent someone a holiday present. We sure did. Um, we sent somebody the rose set, which is one of our holiday gift sets. Mm-hmm. Um it's oh, one of my favorites, actually. Here's the thing. I think it's one of Marie, our buyer's favorites, too. Yeah. Um, so we have these really cute holiday gift sets. They're all they're all just, like, very well put together. But the rose one, we were trying to make sure that the size of the things were right to fit in the box, which was, a, like, a bit of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And we, at some point, thought about switching out a candle yeah. and bringing in another candle. Um, in order like, to accommodate a smaller box. Exactly. Um, because, you know, you wouldn't imagine the headaches involved in these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, maybe we'll just call it the floral set. And the look on Marie's face when it was going to be just made broadly the floral <laughs> set versus the rose set because she'd put so much effort into these like there all was of also these perfectly like, curated rose things. There was a clandestine campaign going on like uh, behind our backs basically to make sure that that never, never happened. happened. <laughs> totally. But I will, you know, the, so he, we we got to keep the rose candle, the yeah. Odem Desert Rose Candle. You are welcome, candle. You really earned your space. Yeah. Um, a land of women, absolute rose balm. There's this this that uh, rose balm's lip- amazing. It's so one good. Of, such a luxe product. Totally. There's like a lipstick in rose water. There's mm-hmm. a lot 
happening here and yes. it is all rose it's all it's all rose themed exactly it's also just a great gift for i don't know like your mother-in-law or somebody who you're like i don't know what to get for this person i need they to get this everything. person something really nice yeah. but like i i don't know exactly what this person would want yeah exactly um, I, the, all these gift sets are so good we have them at a bunch of different sort of price points and a bunch of different themes we have one for a traveler we have one for a, a gym at someone who likes to a gym, gym enthusiast a gym enthusiast yeah. that's right a worker outer yeah totally that's right um well if you want this rose one you can get it for 10 percent off with the code a few things that's right um speaking of of rose balms and and like face things yeah totally you and i got facials together we recently. did and after you you're not you didn't used to be a facials person i never did i didn't i don't know why i didn't you're a massage it. person i love a massage so that's a big thing because i always have i a don't lot love of, a massage i love a massage i it's so helpful with my headaches and my various other ailments and i'm just always tense and so i've always given a spa an opportunity to visit a spa i've always opted for the massage and the problem is it's not that facials have now like surpassed massages for me now i just want both um which yeah. is resource intensive yeah uh, yeah for sure the thing that i thought the thing that i thought was funny or unlikely is that the reason i always liked like i like a facial and mm -hmm. can't really get into massage is because i like to see the effects i like yeah. it to be doing something which i feel like is very you actually i agree but i think that's part of it is that i was I don't feel a facial. You don't. It's not like you walk out and you're all of the sudden like I look 20 years younger. No, but you get things sucked. They, if you totally. get extractions done and your pores are actually unclogged and it's a painful experience, which again is something that you like. Yeah. I'm just surprised that it took this long. Yeah, it, it, I understand. I think that I never I've always sort of been like, I don't feel like you really see the effects. And two things happened for me. One, over the course of the years when you and I have gone to events where there are fancy yeah. people, um, I will look at a woman and say, God, her skin's so incredible. How do you think she looks so great? And you always say she probably gets facials like every other week. And might have stuff shot into it. But like yeah. also definitely gets facials. But that's always been your go-to yeah. explanation when I'm like, how does that lady look so nice and fancy? And yeah. you're like, because she's fancy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that happened was that I saw an Instagram post. <laughs> I cannot believe this like, Instagram post worked how much so well on me. I hope all content marketing works as well as this. <laughs> well. I mean, this worked well, except that I didn't end up getting a facial from the person who posted it. But all the same, it's rising tide. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Somebody who does facials, who I follow on Instagram for God knows what reason. I'm not discriminating. I follow like three thousand people on Instagram. <laughs> um, somebody posted something that said, "You don't go to the gym once a year to get in shape, so why would you only get a facial once a year to keep your skin looking good?" And I was like. Totally. I mean, it's such flawed logic. <laughs> it's like such <laughs> on every level. But obviously, it spoke to me because I'm like, right? Of course, I I work out every day. Like, you know, yeah. this is a maintenance thing. You can't just work out once a month or something. But you do go to the doctor for a physical once a year. Yeah. So 100%. like, you know, they, there are plenty of things that you do. Like, there's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally worked on worked. me though. I was like, I mean, I was like, I, it sounds scientific to me. <laughs> um, so well, was, talk about science. Yeah, my skin had been breaking out. Um, well, and we the wanted... seasons are changing, and it's just like yeah. that makes everything dry and weird and effed up. 
And I also have recently just sort of come to terms with the fact that I'm never going to be good at putting on my own makeup. So maybe instead of trying to get good at it, I could just try to look good without makeup. This was also our reward for turning That's in the manuscript of yeah. our book. Yeah, so um, we wanted to reward ourselves and that we, we sure did. We did, yeah. I think we totally deserved a facial. Yeah. I At I, least I, once a year. <laughs> I totally loved it. And I walked out with this renewed commitment to be like, I'm just going to do this all the time. And gosh, what else can I do to just be a makeup, to live a makeup free life? And like then, Alicia Keys. Yeah, like Alicia Keys. But then what happened was yesterday we had an event that we got our makeup professionally and done. And then you're for. like, I wish I had my makeup professionally done every day. Correct. Yeah. It, I it's, walked it's out a of real... that. It's a pendulum. Yeah. I walked out of that feeling like she did such a good job on my makeup. I felt so wonderful about how I looked. And my and my reaction to that is I'm just not living up to my potential every day in the way that I could be. Um, yeah. So I, so I don't know. It goes back and forth. Um, I think I'm more in the middle of both of these. Good for you. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. You know, bring... everything in moderation. <laughs> that's your motto. Yeah. That's your motto. Everything in moderation, <laughs> including moderation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, should we bring on our guest? Yeah, let's do it. We have an very exciting guest today. Erica and I are huge fans of Maya Kaimal, um, who's with us today. She is the founder of Maya Kaimal Fine Indian Foods. She is an award-winning cookbook author, and we are obsessed with her products. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've definitely heard That's us talk true. about her seven or eight times at least, talking about chickpea chips, talking about simmer sauces, talking yeah. about dips that we make with simmer sauces. Um, yeah, it's there's been a lot, but now we have the person behind this these amazing things with us. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for, for being me. here. Yeah. It's great to be here. Thank you for all your all the fabulous plugs. I mean, of course, <laughs> yeah. we just love what you do and we wanted to hear more about your story and I feel like it's one of those stories where you're like, why do I not hear this more? Like, why do I not know about this amazing person hmm. who makes all these things that I buy or see on store shelves? Um and yeah, I just feel like people would connect to the things they eat and the things they buy so much more if they knew more of the stories, which is so totally the root of our business. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So tell us hey. about your background. Um, sure, I'd love to. Well, so I guess I got started doing this really because I got laid off from my, my day job. Okay. Yeah. So, Sometimes uh, a lot of really good businesses <laughs> yeah. start that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta yeah. Kind of it's not the first time we've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Now figure it out. Um, and you, you were know. in publishing? So and, I was in publishing. Okay. I was working in the magazine business. Okay. I was a uh, photo editor mm -hmm. um, for Savor Magazine, oh, which yeah. I loved because I yeah. loved food and I loved photography. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd been an art major in college mm -hmm. and then came to New York and got into magazines. But one thing, this thread that kind of was running through my life was uh, was Indian food mm -hmm. because I grew up with my dad's amazing Indian cooking. Okay. And my mom's an amazing cook too, but she's not, in, not Indian. But um, So your parents both cooked. So they both cooked, okay. although my dad's was kind of reserved for the weekend. That was yeah. When my dad does that too. <laughs> my dad was like the weekend cook. My mom was like the let's make sure there's something to eat every night. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. So he gets the relaxing. Yeah. Fun. The project cooking. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was definitely a project for my dad. He really, 
approached it because he's a physicist. So oh, funny. he took it on like it was a sort of Do everything you know, was a science My dad is experiment. a scientist too and he cooks in that way too where he, he really does not like to follow cookbooks mm. he, because he gets very proud of his own creations and he's very specific about them. Very specific, yeah. yeah the, the, my dad was you know, writing every step down, yep. every micro measurement. Like getting it all, right, tweaking, yeah. tweaking, tweaking. And then retesting and retesting. So that's what weekends were like. We're mm -hmm. just tasting my dad's experiments as he like perfected these recipes. That's awesome. Awesome. And then those recipes, that, there was a notebook of those that my dad gave me when I went off to to college, and then I, and took those with me to New York. And that's so would, special. So I just started cooking. And like, why didn't my dad do this for me? <laughs> I'm so touched. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> start crying. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was this it became a kind of a thing in our family that dad yeah. had had worked on these recipes and yeah. worked you know over and over, and that that we he'd make them for friends and everybody loved them so. I started making them for friends, and I started seeing how people reacted when you fed them homemade Indian food. Yeah. And it was like eyes opened wide, like, yeah. wow, this is Indian food? Mm -hmm. It was so different from restaurant food, from, you know, what, yeah. what people had been exposed to. And so it, it, that kind of kept staying with me. Like, I, I, I realized I had an impact on people when I prepared this food for them. So after a couple of years of that... Um, and in fact, in magazine, one of the magazines I worked at, people said, you know, I'd pay you to bring me lunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I started doing like a little lunch catering business. So this set up in the conference room and would sell like, you know, $5 lunches. That's amazing. So that How often maybe, were you doing that? I was, uh, I started doing it like um, twice a week. Wow. I was living in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's a lot to take on. Lugging in this food. <laughs> yeah, I kind of burned out after yeah, a, I can imagine. a few it, months. What a service you were providing and what <laughs> a deal yeah i can't i mean but clearly at that point you must have realized that there was something, there was something you really loved about it because i can't imagine i don't i kind of like i don't know how much someone would have to pay me for that plate in order for me to lug food in well, from hoboken yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it was the fact that that people's reactions were what they were that that was the whole thing that kind of like you know spurred me on was people just liked it were surprised by it. They were connecting they with were, it. Right. They were learning something new about Indian food. And part of and that too And you're sharing was, something so personal, right? right. It's yeah. your father's recipe. Exactly. Yeah. And and I was just about to say he was he's from South India, so mm -hmm. there's a regional aspect to what I was doing too mm -hmm. that was new to people. They mm -hmm. hadn't had, you know, green beans um, stir fried with coconut, you know, like these were things that were like, oh, you know, it's not you're not gonna get it at your Indian in Curry Hill mm -hmm. in New York. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you just briefly, because I, I hear these distinctions made quite a bit of like, oh, it's North Indian, it's South Indian. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I can't identify the difference. Is there, yeah. is there a it's, major distinction that yeah. you can articulate? Yeah. And, and it's not that hard um, to understand once, once you have it sort of laid out for you with the geography. So if you kind of divide a line right mm -hmm. through the middle, the North is more close to the um the himalayas mm -hmm, right so it's more, there's mountains, mountains and yeah. there's also plains um and the south is really tropical and lush mm. and and very coastal right mm -hmm, you have all that coastline mm -hmm, so in the north you've got a uh, perfect climate for cattle grazing mm. and so you get a lot of dairy right okay. there's just tons and tons and tons of dairy mm -hmm. india is one of the largest i think the largest producer of milk in the world wow. so dairy is the the main thing that's thickening up the curries mm -hmm. and, and the ghee you know the clarified mm -hmm. butter yeah. is what they're using in, in place of oil in many cases um yogurt 
paneer, right. Indian cheese. So, um, but cream and milk are um, are really at the heart of a lot of Indian curries in the north. And then with all that that um, all the sort of open plains, they it's perfect for um, wheat and grain cultivation. Mm. So wheat breads mm-hmm. are really important. And the and the curries because you're eating them with wheat bread, they they tend to be thick, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So and they get these deep flavors. Like t- they toast their spices in the north. Mm. So it's like dairy rich, toasty deep um, curries from the north and eating that are eaten with bread. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The south, it's more so coconuts are growing everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? So coconut milk, coconut meat, Mm -hmm. coconut oil, like the same way as all that dairy is used in the north, they're just using coconut fuels everything in the south. And then the um, there the climate's perfect for growing rice. So rice is the major staple grain Mm -hmm. and because it's kind of um, you know spongier, they make the the curries thinner, mm-hmm. so they soak up into mm-hmm. the rice, and so that's how you're you're eating your curries. So seafood is important in the south. Mm-hmm. More fresh herbs, like they're they have more growing seasons in the mm-hmm. south, so it's chilies, fresh chilies, and fresh herbs. So it's kind of like um, Southeast Asian cooking. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like totally. adjacent. Yeah, the ingredients yeah. are yeah related. Yeah. This is so wonderfully helpful. I it's want every so country's helpful. culinary heritage explained with geography. <laughs> I I feel like it's just like you're like right yeah. this puts it's the pieces grows. together i yeah. have the most yeah. tangential question i really <laughs> want to get back to the history of how you started this but um are, can you see um distinctions in the health of the people who live in the north versus the south the cuisine in the south sounds so much healthier right oh interesting question well um there's there i don't know that you can hmm uh, it's, that's okay if you don't I have don't an answer. Know. I was just curious because yeah. yeah. you're like, it's meat, it's well, wheat. It does, <laughs> it's dairy like, like, versus like coconut and seafood. Well, yeah. Well, what I mean, in southern India does seem like the things that are like trending food wise, right. like healthy food sort of wise. Yeah. 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 I mean, what I didn't get into that uh, is all of India is eating a lot of lentils, yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. pulses, a lot of uh, vegetable curries. Mm-hmm. So that kind of meat is a pretty small piece of of Indian cuisine right um, you know it most Indians aren't vegetarian or sorry m- most Indians are meat eaters but they're eating just a little bit of it's meat, like right? yeah so it's like I think Indians let's see Americans eat like 260 pounds of meat per person per year Wow 260 Indians eat 11. So it's like they're eating it, but they just need, you know, it's a small, small piece. This is how I feel about meeding, eating meat. And Claire Mm -hmm. kind of teases me about it. But I like, I know I I, I tease you. No, well, just like that. I I like the idea of eating meat as a condiment. Like that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is like a distinction. Yeah. 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 It's just, it adds a lot of flavor and you don't need a lot of it to get that satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, so I I took us off on a real tangent, but you okay. were, you're, you're back to selling that? plates. Okay, yeah, I was to your, selling to your colleagues <laughs> in so, the magazine industry. Yeah, and this this then evolves into this desire to write a cookbook mm-hmm. because the South Indian yeah. food is so different, mm-hmm. and it's not in the cookbooks mm-hmm. and it's not in the restaurants. So I I ended up publishing my first book, um, Curried Favors, mm-hmm. in 1996, and it was. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I, I got this nice award for mm-hmm. it. So it 
sort of put me on a a Julia Child of, Best First Book Award. Yes, a Julia amazing. Child Award. Right. Okay. And she mm-hmm. handed it to me. What? Yeah, she was still still around, and it was at the this you know big IACP Awards, International Association of Culinary Professionals, and yes, she, she the names her namesake award she actually gave out wow. back in those days. That's amazing. It was, it was great. And it was especially meaningful for me because Julie Child was my mother's hero. Oh. She was cooking out of mastering the art of French cooking, like, you know, every other day while I was growing wow. up. She loved it. She, she, we would sit down and watch Julie Child on TV. Like, she was so this a was goddess. really meaningful. It yeah. Was, yeah. 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 My mother has a picture hanging up in her kitchen of Julia handing me the award. I love that. <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. So, yeah. So that that was a that was a very nice way to sort of kick off like a side yeah. career in food. But I kept my kept my day job. Yep. Kept working magazines wow. and then um what, there was so much material I hadn't been able to put in the first book that that made me want to write a second one that was mm-hmm. really with like laser focus on South India. Mm-hmm. And and because the first one had had a lot of South Indian, but it had had some familiar North Indian. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't I didn't want to do something totally esoteric. There was like an mm-hmm. entry point for yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could find tandoori chicken in there. You know, yeah. You could find just the basic chicken curry. So. So the second one was like pure Kerala. It was called um, Savoring the Spice Coast of India because mm-hmm. Kerala is the state where my dad's from, and it's really rich in spices, especially black pepper and cardamom and ginger. Mm. So, yeah, so that that was the that was the focus of that book, and it was really fun to write. I spent a lot of time with my aunt in, in South India and I met a lot of people. I wanted to explore all the different cuisines Um because there's there's the Hindu cooking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Christians there that mm-hmm. have been there for thousands of years. There's um, a Jewish population hmm. and then a Muslim population. They all are using the same ingredients, but in totally different ways. Differently. That's yeah. so interesting. So I was trying to get my arms around all that in that cookbook. So That's amazing. yeah. So then, so that led me. Sorry, this is such a long no. story. Um, <laughs> that led me to uh, uh, writing about food for magazines and just kind of keeping my my toes in the food world uh-huh. so when i did get laid off when they had budget cuts and like a, you know a lot of people losing their job in publishing this is 2002 um it was kind of a a door that was just sitting there open like yeah. okay i think i think i'm meant to walk through that door now yeah so um and i had encouragement from um uh, friends and one in particular who owns gourmet garage mm-hmm. and andy aarons and he's like you know I really think you should do this and I'll help you figure out, you know, the manufacturing side. And that was a big leg up, you know, yeah, like I'm sure it wasn't just like something I was going to make because it does seem I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh, yeah. you go from cooking food for yourself and your friends and writing a cookbook. It does not seem at all like a natural transfer of skills to all of a sudden figure out how to make this stuff shelf stable and package right. it and sell it. Yeah. And I, I made it even harder for myself because I decided to go out with a fresh product line in the beginning. Oh, really? So I couldn't possibly do it at home and pack yeah. it off as you might do if, you know, maybe you could do a little bit in the beginning with Shelf Stable. But yeah, so I, I I needed some help. I needed to figure out how, you know, a way. So what does that mean, the fresh stuff? So, oh, so my first line of foods was th- three fresh sauces. So they were like a refrigerated, refrigerated. pasta okay. sauce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did refrigerated Indian, mm-hmm. and um, they 
were, yeah, totally nothing else like it out there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that. I wanted to be able, if I was going to do this, it had to be in a way that was clearly setting it apart from what had been in the market. Mm -hmm. You know, something that was, that put Indian, I think, kind of on, you know, a higher plane maybe than it had been on, Mm -hmm. where it was seen as a a specialty food, you know, really high quality gourmet food. Mm -hmm. And so the doing it fresh allowed all the flavors to stay really, you know, vibrant and and intense and and homemade. And you didn't have to acidify it because, um, because the refrigeration helping you know, That's the thing that I always hate about the store bought sauces, and yours are, and that yours are really set apart. But they always taste so acidic to me. Um, you, yeah. And I don't, and yours don't taste like that to me. Even the not the jarred, mm. you know, pantry. We ones. work really hard to make sure they mm-hmm. don't because Indian food. I mean, other cuisines too, but with Indian, there's so many ingredients in it. Having a balance mm-hmm. is so important. You know, you if you're gonna have 15 things in there. They have to harmonize together, yeah. and it's it's the art really of Indian cooking. And so, if you're going to have a lot of, uh, if you need a certain amount of acidity, then you got to balance that with, a, you know, maybe a little more spice or maybe a little more, you know, yeah, a little more chili. That was one of my. The, I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of my questions for mm. you because I always, I 90 percent of the time regret buying uh, like jarred sauces. I get so I'm like, oh, this sounds amazing, and then I get it and I'm like, it just tastes sour. Yeah. Uh, but yours yours yeah. somehow get get around that which is well, awesome well thank you it's uh it's definitely what we strive for is making mm-hmm. sure to capture and reflect like the the way indian food is at its best when it's like a whole symphony in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> um so what did you have to navigate when you were launching a product line a food line i mean that just seems like yeah so many hurdles well, it is. It is a lot. I think it helped. Uh, it helped doing it as a fresh item. Actually, yeah. doing a refrigerated to start item. There. Yeah, because it. it um, we were selling into smaller markets. Okay. You, know, you could mm-hmm. sort of prove yourself on a smaller stage yeah. first, and then once you had those like good selling stories, you could sort of take it to other customers. Take it to Whole Foods. Say, mm-hmm. you know, we sell really well in Gourmet Garage. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. sell really well in Dean and yeah. DeLuca. And scale your production and start, accordingly. Start scaling, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think finding a manufacturer, if you're not going to make it yourself, you know, yeah. finding a manufacturer is definitely one of the big challenges, mm-hmm. right? Because there's not like some directory you can go to and just like, oh, he looks good. Yeah. That looks, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you know, you, so I, I work through that, um, you know, this specialty food association, they, they do this fancy food show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So they're a pretty good networking organization. Okay. So I joined yeah. and, um, sort of felt around in that world a little bit and met some people and started just started conversations about, you know, mm-hmm. do you know any good Packers? And my friend, Andy was helpful, too, Mm because he knew some manufacturers. And finally, one of them was the right fit. He was making pestos in upstate New York. And he had capacity. He had, you know, room to take us on. And he was also, he was entrepreneurial himself. So he was like, yeah. He was excited about solving these problems. Yeah. Yeah, And he's like, oh, an Indian brand. Yeah. Fresh Indian food. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe so. (laughs) I mean, it was, we were such a weird kind of thing at that time, such an anomaly. But, um, but he had the, you know, he he had the imagination to, to give it a try. Mm -hmm. And so, 
Um, so he, he, and you know, he didn't particularly, he was Austrian actually. He didn't huh. necessarily have a feel for Indian food, but he picked it up. He was a chef. He, you know, he, he figured it out and he made them beautifully. So, um, he also was helpful in putting us on his trucks and getting us to some of the accounts yeah. we need to get to. Cause that's a challenging piece. Yeah, I'm sure. How do you get to the stores? Mm-hmm. <sighs> do you take it yourself? Well, if you're refrigerated, not really. Right. right. You don't have a refrigerated so, vehicle for yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. oh God. So he, he put us on his trucks. Um, so yeah, distribution, that's, if you want to talk about hurdles, that's yeah. a big one. But again, like once you get those, like a critical mass of some accounts in one area, New York City being, you know, a good place to start, then, then you can start having conversations with distributors. You could start saying, yeah, we're, you know, these are the accounts and, um, and stores are really helpful that way. When you get an account that loves you, loves your stuff, you start picking their brain. Who yeah. do you think would be a good distributor? Hmm, right. Who do you think would be a good broker? Right. Do you mm-hmm, need a broker? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they're a great resource because they see the whole They know world, who works right? what way. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So For they, sure. They know all the vendors and they know all the distributors and they kind of see what matches what makes sense. Um, and they know who they like to deal with and who they like to buy yeah. from. Right, right. Right. So we just started doing that. We started saying, who's your preferred distributor? Who do you mm-hmm. like to work with? Who do you think we should be with? And started to get, that's how we got our It's like we always say, if you want to know who's good at PR, ask a journalist. Because yeah. they'll tell yeah. you who they actually yeah. like, respond whose emails to. they respond that's to. Right. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> exactly. how you figure it out. You yeah. Yeah. Who's seeing it from the inside. Yeah. 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 So how did your products roll out? You first had the refrigerated sauces, mm, and yep. then did you do the jarred sauces? So we did the refrigerated for, yep, for quite a few years. Then we um, we were doing some jarred sauces for William-Sonoma. They hmm. asked us to do an Indian line for them. So that, but it was exclusive for okay. two years. So, um, but it allowed us to find a shelf-stable manufacturer. Right, right, which was right. key. And then when that exclusivity came off, we decided to take one of those products, which was our spicy ketchup, and mm. mm-hmm. roll it out into retail. Um, you know, we didn't realize that it's a little crazy to go out with one single product. product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, how about the ketchup? So, um, we and so we quickly followed it up with with four other sauces, shelf stable sauces, yeah. so that created a line. So that was that was a good, you know, five, six years into the business. Okay. Mm-hmm. We did that um, and sort of needed some different distributors, you know, and, and we had to sort of find a good way to talk to retailers about why they should carry both. Mm-hmm. You really need a fresh and a shelf-stable Indian sauce by Yeah, <laughs> totally. But they're different customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. some are the same, but even uh, but a customer who might buy both uses them on different occasions. Right. Like, you know, the fresh is like they're thinking – maybe making something a little special and yeah. the shelf yeah. stable is going in the pantry. It's and like an easy Tuesday dinner. Yeah, yeah. right. That totally. Thing. Yeah, totally. Pull it out. Um, can you talk to us about the chickpea chips? Oh, They're I a revelation. <laughs> I I mean, I'm glad for you, but also stunned that you haven't been ripped off more like in, 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 at all or in a bigger way. I don't see them anywhere else. And I think mm. they're so incredible. It's because they're they were really tricky to make Interesting. and took a long time to develop. So I figured, okay, nobody else is going to be no able to do this. No one's going to go down this, this road. Way too hard. They're so good. What was so hard about them? Well, I took this Indian snack idea. It's, yeah. uh, it's an actual snack. It's called muruku or hmm. chukli. It's a chickpea, rice flour, 
dough. Okay. And it's got in it a spice called asafoetida, hmm. which kind of adds like an oniony okay. note. You just mm-hmm. use a tiny bit of it. And then there's a little bit of cayenne and there's sesame seeds. And right now are we talking about the actual okay, Indian Okay, the original snack. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I grew up eating these. A uh, family member would make them mm-hmm. and... Like every, you know, Thanksgiving or holidays, she'd make this big batch and I just love them. But they're spiral shaped and they're fried and they're very crunchy, hmm. like, you yeah. know, crack hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So as much as I loved them, I thought, OK, that's not going to work. Yeah. We got to rethink the texture and come up with something that Americans just connect to right yeah. it's got to be a chip it has mm-hmm. to be in that and it has to be a really nice crispy addictive chip so addictive well you did it so yeah. <laughs> well yeah it, and doing that so we started putting the dough through a pasta roller mm-hmm. and playing with that in mm-hmm. our test kitchen and mm-hmm. deep frying it and that was kind of like okay maybe this we're work. getting somewhere yeah we were getting somewhere so then we started calling some chip makers um there you know, there's like a lot of tortilla chip makers so Uh we started with those and they all told us the same thing which is this dough is too sticky it's not gonna work it's not gonna work on a tortilla roller Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we but after talking to enough of them eventually someone said oh well there's this other kind of press that you can use but i think there's only one of them and we're like, okay, where is it? <laughs> it turns out it's been like in the middle of Ohio. Wow. And they used to do this special product for Pringles, like Pringles Select or something. Wow. Hilarious. An exclusive, like, an exclusive high-end Pringles product. Exactly. Yeah. I have told this story on the podcast before, but I wasn't allowed to eat Pringles as a kid. And my mother had what I deemed to be like an urban legend that she created about Pringles was that they would just sweep up all of the crumbs from the other potato chips <laughs> on the potato, at the potato right. chip factory right. and then add water and put it in a mold so i feel like this is our opportunity to debunk or like or or this is the factory this is the mold yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) she's like so offended by the shape of them i know right perfect well the the thing about the pringles select is they weren't quite exactly as perfect they were just a variation (laughs) on the yeah totally but they but yeah they made these for a little while and then i guess it wasn't as successful as the you know regular once you pop you can't stop (laughs) but we got um, this chip history is is amazing and unprecedented (laughs) (laughs) incredible chip chat the the, the, yeah the really great thing about this one press is that it's chilled it's got this like nitrogen thing going on it's it's a cold roller with chrome on the outside and it's huge so it uh, things don't stick to it because of the cold. They're cold, and right, 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 right. So that that was why this one one machine was able to press out our dough, and then you know, and then the, the stamps of the shapes, and then we had to play around a little bit with some things like potato starch and this and that just to get that mm-hmm. crispy texture. Because we try, you know, if it's too flat, then it like. It doesn't do what's called clear in your mouth. Like what is it's that? my gosh. I know. <laughs> I'm like this this specifics involved in mm. all of this is incredible. Like who's yeah. the one who's the person who knew about the one potato <laughs> chip know, machine right. in know. the middle of Ohio? Like <laughs> who is the oh, you're such yeah, a it's yeah, very, it's you're such a specialist if you know baseball. about that. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so what does clear <laughs> mean? So clear okay. So you have good clearing and bad clearing. Sure. Okay. <laughs> good clearing is when you take a bite, yeah. you chew it, you swallow it. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they you you want you to want take another. another bite. Okay. But bad clearing is when you bite it, you chew it, 
It's sticking in your teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still sticking around your your tongue. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you know you swallow you swallow it, but it's just there. Like you got to okay. you got to swallow it again. You got to reach for a glass of water. You got to. Mm-hmm. It's not going away nicely. And you don't really think about it until you try something that doesn't clear, and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I don't like this. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, every chip maker is trying to get good clearing, so mm-hmm. so that you have more. So you have more. Yeah. So you just keep going back. More, more, more. So yeah. It's uh, it's. Are there examples? Are there good examples of products that just don't clear well? Well, I mean, I think the problem with a lot of the chickpea-based mm-hmm. snacks that are mm-hmm. out there yeah. is that they don't clear well. Yeah, Interesting. yeah. I find that. I yeah. find there's a mealiness that yeah. is not. Na- yeah, it's yeah. just inherent in a garbanzo yeah. bean. Totally. Right? And so I feel like that's that to me was like a challenge. Like we're going to figure this out. We're mm-hmm. going to make sure. And it has to do with how many bubbles, you know, how the right. bubbles form. Totally. Are they yeah. big bubbles? Are they little bubbles? And and also just the composition of the, the chip batter itself. This is fascinating. <laughs> I also always thought, I think that the, the multigrain flavor of the chickpea chip, mm. to me that always tastes like papadam, like a, oh, like yes. a sort of watered down, or not watered yeah, yeah, down, but no. you know what I mean, like I not know. a spicy. On, yeah, and yeah. so I always assumed that that was the inspiration for these on some level, but mm. I, I'm finding out the truth now. Yeah, it's another yeah. snack that I've never even heard of. <laughs> I've, I've thought about doing a puppetum version, but it's, um, I just think I like the taste of Murku because it's a little more complex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, puppetums are, they're great snacks too. And that maybe someday we'll end up playing with that. But I moved into a new home over the summer and I knew that it was the right choice of home because when I went to the corner bodega they just had a huge array of your oh, chips and oh. beforehand I had been I'd <laughs> struggled been a, to find it, it was a bit of a wasteland the neighborhood yeah, yeah and then before. I found and then yeah my green broccoli farm my local bodega now just always has so much of it in stock and it's <laughs> so it. great for me it just it takes the anxiety off because it used to be that if I would find them somewhere I'd have to buy like six bags at oh, once no. and now stock I can up. yeah, yeah. Oh, now I can know I'm that so I have glad. an endless supply good good um what are other products you've thought about exploring or you that have been just like on that ideas list? Mm, yeah. Well, so we have, um, I'd really love to do, oh, gosh, well, there's beer, um, I'd like to do a Rita, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that too. I feel like it would be so nice to, yes. to just like, that's be able ready to, crack to go. That open. Open, yes, and dip the chips rice. in there. You could put the chips in, yeah. yes. Um, I, the shelf life issues are, are mm-hmm. challenging with that one. So I haven't quite, I haven't taken that on yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have, like, we, we, dips are something I kind of like to play with. And we have, we, we've, we developed a line of dips and then we ran into a manufacturing issue where the manufacturer wasn't able to produce them mm-hmm. as planned. So that's sad. And I want to, dying to sort of, bring those out to yeah. the world because I think they're really delicious. They're bean-based, right? Oh. So it's sort of like, it's like taking a hummus, but then layering m- in flavor, merging it with like a really spicy doll. So there's Ooh. a lot of spice and flavor and herbs to them and coconut milk and like they're, they're You're rich You're making me flavorful. so excited for the future. Mm-hmm. One day. <laughs> Something to look back. forward to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sounds so up my alley. Um, you were talking about how, like eating snacks on Thanksgiving. What are other, um, traditions that you had growing up but are other Indian foods that you ate for holidays or celebrations oh yeah well since we are getting into like deep holiday season right 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 as a Sayers yeah yeah Yeah. um 
Uh, well, there's another snack I love, which is hot mix, which is What's like, that? it's it's like a little PC kind of yummy mixture of peanuts and raisins and then lots of little different shaped chickpea, fried chickpea bits. Huh. And then, um, and they, it's usually pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. Um it's good. It's just that it's a little messy to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. this is one where oh, if I could figure out how to do that, and make it work here. Yeah, totally. That, that would that would be fun because mm-hmm. the flavors are really great. But um, hot mix, hot mix. Yeah, you can find it. Any Indian shop has them and has them in all these different flavors. But um, yeah, that's a it's kind of nice and addictive. And that sweet raisin bit in with all that savory mm-hmm. and yeah. spicy yeah. stuff yeah. is yeah. this nice little surprise. That's so delicious. I love that. Um, you know, we would have um, there's idli is a snack is a is a have you ever heard of those? No, no. they're like a they're like a South Indian rice uh, rice cake that's steamed, and it's made of rice and dal, and huh. then you eat it with a um, it, it's sort of flying saucer shaped. I don't know how else to describe, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a favorite South Indian snack, and you eat it. It's not a snack. It's kind of like a like a breakfast food, actually. And you have it with a spicy coconut chutney, which mm, is insane. Yum. And then a spicy stew called sambar. So that's like a, it's not exactly a holiday food, but when you're getting together with Indian family, like okay. that's someone's always turning those out for breakfast. And it's mm-hmm. just a like nice spicy way to start your day. It needs <laughs> to be like an Indian breakfast spot in New York. Yeah, seriously. I know. Yeah, I think there's... There's one actually. I think just Pondicherry. Pow- oh, Powala. No, no, you're it right. It is Pondicherry. Pondicherry. Does breakfast. Pondicherry. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to Powala yet, but they do brunch. Oh, they do uh, brunch. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're supposed yeah. to have really good egg dishes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, Floyd is yeah. a great chef and um, loves food. Where else do you eat when you go out for Indian? Well, let's see. Sometimes, so I haven't lived in New York City for a bunch of years. Doesn't have to be in New York. You're City. upstate in Hudson. I'm, I'm up. I'm uh, in Rhinebeck actually, oh, okay. so not yeah. quite as far up as Hudson. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing when you talk to Indian people, they're like, "Oh, I don't really go out." Yeah, to totally. Eat. Totally. <laughs> I yeah. make it myself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, unless it's going to be something that I I don't make at all, or you know, like a tandoori cooking. Like you yeah. can't really do that. You're at not home, doing it at home. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, or I go to London. That's where I oh, go. Oh yeah, for yeah. Indian where food. in London? Oh my gosh, it ha- there are so many fabulous people, but or places. But um, Dishoom is one. I, I just heard, heard about it. Same. Where did oh we hear about that? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> from my friend's Instagram because um, she or no, yeah, it was was it was Lindsay. Lindsay oh, Green sister. Instagrammed yeah. about it. I yeah. was like, whose Instagram was it? It was yeah. Lindsay, and Lindsay's she was on her way there. Recommended yeah. It. yeah, and oh then someone gosh. messaged her and was like, make sure you go to Dishoom, and sure enough, she was already on her way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and now they have like six of them, and you, wow. you still wait in line, even if it's like, you know, oh, wow. 3.30 in the afternoon when you think yeah. nobody should be eating, you're waiting in line. <laughs> but it's great, and it's fun. It's like a fun concept of this Iranian cafe, which sounds obscure, but actually a lot of Iranians moved to India and huh. Bombay in particular. They're called, known as Parsis, and they had this kind of cafe culture hmm. that they brought to India. And so, but they're serving Indian food. And um, so it's got like all these great kind of old retro portraits, pictures of people, black and white pictures all over, mm-hmm. like they've, and they, all these fun, old, weird sort of Indian products from the 50s, and they've just done the, it, it created this cool sort of retro celebration of India, and then the food is, has like a modern twist to it, hmm. so it's sort of like the old and the new all kind it's of contrast, yeah. yeah, and um, 
Yeah, they just they they have this thing called gunpowder potatoes, which what? are so good. What is it? They've taken like little, you know, small potatoes yeah. and they've cooked them with lots of um, green chilies, fennel seeds, cumin seeds, um what else is in there? Lots of cilantro and ginger and just kind of it's like this incredible explosion of flavor tossed onto these potatoes. It's wow. like it's just it's fabulous. It's the only place I'd ever had them before. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to figure out how to make this. <laughs> so good. I haven't not figured out how to make this. <laughs> I have to go back to London <laughs> and get them. <laughs> but um, they're fun. They're experimenting. They're doing like a really cool thing with the Indian mm-hmm. restaurant. Sort that's of cool. Paradigm. I and mean, that's what you find in London is they're not stuck. You know, they 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 have such a long history with India that mm-hmm. Indian foods just kind of it's just a given. For yeah, it's a staple. It really, yeah, you grow up eating yeah, it. Yeah, you don't yeah, like, oh, yeah. I've never had Indian yeah, food. Yeah, you know? right. So for them, it's like, let's figure out how, what some new mm-hmm. angles here. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of different approaches. In the, and it's like evolving sort of, faster. Yeah. 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 There's like a gastropub sort of version of Indian food. And then you find like very, very specific regional hmm. Indian yeah. food restaurants. So, uh, yeah. And then some are doing like an old style British thing, British Raj restaurants. Right. So. Um, yeah, so that's where the interesting Indian food is. Yeah, fair. That's really interesting. A little far away. Um, well, we are so excited for you to expand your business quickly, please. We have a uh, lot of desires. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of, even more now. Um, and if you could just Thank open you. up a restaurant, that'd I be interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, not going to happen, but <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah. Just keep the chickpea chips coming <laughs> and the sauces. Um, thank you so much for, um, for being on the show. This was thank wonderful. You. Um, pleasure to be here. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher iTunes where you should please leave us a review and now Spotify we figured that out we hacked the system totally it's um, under the shows section we've learned we we are we're technologists yeah totally now. it's it's harder to find than you would think yeah, yeah I know totally. I didn't even know it was under shows yeah totally bringing insider knowledge here um, um, to advertise on the podcast mm-hmm. email a few things at avakind.com our intro music Butterfield East is written and performed by the Soulful Saints our audio editing is done by Liz Smith and we record at Showbriz Studios in the East Village Bye. So many of you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East, and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.